Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. introducing us no no all right welcome to jgb sports episode 31 this is the uh series against uh wagner from uh, um i guess last weekend so it must have been uh march 11th and 12th we're recording on saturday and actually while we're recording game three is currently going on against i think it's merrimack i think that's how it's pronounced but can't watch it can't follow live updates or anything uh, it's just being given out over the uh, social media so it sounds like the time to record. The reason this episode's so late is, well, why don't you tell us, JJ, if you can? I didn't. <laughs> you couldn't talk for a while. Um, you've not been feeling. You had a throat infection and you had a sore throat, and you were losing your voice. And um, I wasn't sure whether it would hurt to talk for a whole podcast or whether you'd be so quiet anyway we wouldn't hear you. Um, but you're doing better. You're doing better. So I was like, this sounds like the perfect opportunity to do this. Now, this was also one where I wasn't sure we were going to be able to go. Originally, it was supposed to be a game Friday, game Saturday, game Sunday at the Joe. We were going to try and go probably on the Sunday if we could. Uh, but Friday, uh, Thursday night, they announced there was going to be a weekend double header because of the weather. So Friday's game got cancelled. So there was two games on Saturday, which was good because what did you have that was more pressing on the Saturday? Try out. You had tryouts, exactly, and it said it was uh, 10.50 check-in, 11 o'clock warm-ups, 11.10 your tryout started, and it ended at 11.50, and the first game of the doubleheader started at 12, so that was like 10 minutes to do what should have been an hour and five minutes, so I was like, that's fine, we can listen to the commentary as we ride up, and then we can see the end of the game, but more importantly, we knew we'd be able to see game two, so it actually worked out just fine, which is uh, what we did. Um, where were the tryouts? They were at the... They were at a side field of the old Pedex. They were. Uh, Northwest Federal Field at Fitzner Stadium. I didn't even know that was a full name. Uh, is a stadium in the Coles Magisterial District of Prince William County, Virginia. Primarily used for baseball. And it was a home field of the Potomac Nationals before they relocated to Fredericksburg. Built in 1984, the stadium is uh, near the offices of the Prince William County Service Authority. Uh, it seats 6,000 people. I didn't know it had that many. Um, I remember, I forgot about this story. A one-alarm fire caused by an inside gas leak destroyed the facility's business offices in 2012. The fire also put the Nationals mascot Uncle Slam out of action for the remainder of the season. Um, this was very traumatic for a four-year-old. <laughs> this is your brother at the time. Um, so Uncle Slam, he knew from the games, loved seeing Uncle Slam, and Uncle Slam wasn't there. And when Uncle Slam came back, he looked very different. <laughs> they had to make a new costume. <laughs> so it was a very different Uncle Slam. And I not I remember this, but I hadn't really thought about it. The dugouts at the stadium are unusual in that they are located at field level. And prior to 2008, there was no fence or rail separating them from the field. However, as part of renovations completed... Following the 2017 season, netting was added in front of both of the home and visiting dugouts. Now you've been in the dugout at Coppin, so when you're in the dugout, you have to go you have to go up the steps to get out, or you have to go back down the steps to get. That's what most dugouts are like. That's not what the peanuts is like. It's just you walk straight in. So obviously, it's not as easy to kind of hide behind stuff because um, you're right there. So yeah, I never even really even thought about it before, but I'm, I've seen it because I've been on the field. Literally, um, they're like. 
Just flat. Yeah, yeah, just flat. You just walk straight out. So I guess it's safer in terms of you're not going to trip down steps or anything, but um, it's more dangerous, like you're more likely to get hit because more of your body's exposed instead of kind of ducking down and then, I don't know. Because normally you have those stands in front of you where you can kind of lean on. You see the players kind of leaning and peeking over. So yeah, they didn't have that at all. And um, when we got there, very windy. We had to pin a number on you. I'm trying to remember what number you were. Was it 85? I can't remember. It was only a week ago and I'm already not remembering. 85, yeah. Yeah, so we pinned that on, and um, you had to warm up, so tell us about warm-ups. I ran around the field, and I just threw it with the partner. Yeah, and do you remember anything about the coach who was there? Um, he was wearing a Navy baseball shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, spring break's only two weeks away. We know that uh, Coppin State has a game at Navy, so we did mention the fact that we were going to see their baseball team at some point. Um, after you guys had warmed up, you went across to the regular field, so go ahead, tell us about the real tryouts then. What right, did you have so to do? I, I did um, ground balls and, to, to, and then throw to first, uh-huh. and then I um, um, pop flies. Hold on, you had to switch as well, you had to be the first baseman while somebody else did grounders so you could catch it. Then, now your throws were good, I, I, you bounced them in front of the first baseman, uh -huh. but the aim was all good. And I said to after, I was like, were you worried you were going to like hurt him? Because I was like, you got to yeah. throw it to them, like, you got to throw it to their chest. If, if it hits them, that, that's on them at that point, but they have to get their glove up to protect them. Okay, um, pop-ups? How do you do on pop-ups? Um, I was at shortstop, uh -huh. throwing to first, and I did pretty good. I. It was second. You don't know the bases? <laughs> it was second. It was shortstop. No, you threw to second. You said you threw to first. No, once you caught it, you threw to second. What's first? First is the one on the baseline. Oh it my was gosh. First. No, it was not. You yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It was second base. You need a refresher, remember? Uh, apparently, that wind must have been affecting your head or something. What? I don't know. You caught the. F there was a lot of kids who were dropping a lot of the pop ups. Some of the ones thrown by coach were not great, but I was wondering if he was trying to get people to show that they were prepared to move their feet. The ones he did to you, well, you didn't really have to move much. So the first one you got, and the second one, unfortunately, just popped out. No, but I actually had a run for the second one. Oh, you did? Okay, but you, you got your glove under it, it just kind of, you didn't quite squeeze it enough. But your throws were good to second to base. To first. <laughs> All right. It was first. And what else? Um, was the then we did drop? hitting. Uh-huh. They put the net five feet from the plate. They did, and then they didn't even use it. They kind of, he leant around the side of the net and threw underhand, which was, I don't know, I didn't like that, but... It was fine. You showed that you could hit. At least do 15 feet I agree. Over it. it was it was too close. It was way too close. But it was more about timing, and the other coaches could see your technique. And you hit two really solidly, and you mm -hmm. got you hit got to hit the other one, but it didn't go as far. But no, um, I saw one kid who absolutely crushed it, and one of the first people who came up was like, "Woof! You can hear that ding, and you know when it's going to go." Oh, there was one kid who had an illegal bat as well. Why? Uh, it wasn't. Um, there's certain standards that it has to follow, and coach said after his bat because he had some good hits as well, and he was like, uh, "Yeah, that's an illegal bat." Why? <laughs> uh, it doesn't meet regulations. I'm not Why sure what the regulations like? are, but it's got to have like a U.S. something logo on the top. Like it's got to be approved by USA Baseball, and his bat was not. So Mason had a bat like that. I remember buying it online. It was really good, and then they changed the rules, and he couldn't use it ever again. So, um, it was, because those top bats, they're expensive. Like, I don't know if you remember when Mason used to play. Like, yeah. some of his friends spent $200, $300 on a bat. 
and I saw one on eBay that was basically as good, and it was like twenty. I was like, sure, we'll get that. I used to, I thought that bat was really nice, and then they, um, that one in particular, they outlawed. So I don't know what it is about them. Obviously, it gives you an unfair advantage for some reason or another. And um, I think that was it. I asked Coach, I was like, can we go? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, as soon as you're back, you can go. And it was 12. So we were 10 minutes later than they'd already said. We had to walk back to the car. And when we got back to the car, what was supposed to be an hour and five minutes was now an hour and 30 minutes as well. And we couldn't take the normal route. It was so bad. We couldn't even take I-95. We had to take um, a side road to get onto 95. It's a good job I packed um, lunch because if we'd have had to stop for lunch, it would have been, it wouldn't have been good. Now, as we were watching the score, can you remember anything about Game 1? You do actually have the uh, the scorecard there, but we didn't really see much of this match. But um, I guess that's kind of what I'm asking you. We saw some of the scores online, so I don't know how much you remember. They never scored a run. Well, the problem was that first inning, right? It started. It didn't start good, and then it got bad and continued to get worse. So they gave up five runs in the first and was like, okay, this is not a good start. And yeah, we couldn't get commentary. Um, and as we're getting there, I'm kind of checking back periodically to see the score so I can give you updates. And wasn't it 7th inning when we got there? We didn't even get there that late. It was like 1.30, which I was like, okay, that's like half of three hours. They should be in like the 5th. And it was top of the 7th. And um, yeah, well, we got to see them back in the bottom of the 7th. So that was when we went. So do you want to talk about the bottom of the 7th? Or do you want to give us some give us some updates? So when we arrived then, I think we arrived in the 7th inning. So what's the score at that point? It was the score at that point was seven to zero. So basically, a running inning at that point. Okay. Um, any? Um, you want to give us any pitching information? I remember seeing. I remember who was pitching in the top of the seventh. And Liam was pitching because uh, I think Liam's the Friday pitcher. But as that game got moved, he was the game one pitcher on Saturday. But it seems like he's the one who pitches on Friday when they get the chance. Yeah. Okay. So he was still in. So the starting pitcher was still in at this point. But like you said, Coppin hadn't got any runs at all. Um, anything else you remember particularly about this one? Um, no. <laughs> Nothing at all. Well, once, well, why don't you look through the stat line, see if there's anything that stands out. Like, tell us how many hits, or what other information do we have on there? Six hits by both teams. Uh-huh. So you'd think it'd be a close game then, right? So how come it wasn't? Except those six... Errors by copied one by whack. There was six errors. Now, the thing that also kind of hurt, when we got there, we're like, perhaps you can be their lucky mascot. They had bases loaded in the bottom of the seventh, and then they just didn't drive anybody home. Because you said final score was to zero. Um, short game. Two hours and three minutes. Like, I'm always talking about this three-hour game thing, and it's never under three hours. So the time when we're late <laughs> is when they have, like, their shortest game. So we only saw about 25 minutes of that game. Uh, attendance was 125 and, um, yeah, any notable um, stats from anybody in particular, JJ, um, from either team? There was only six hits, so there's not really a lot to talk about on the batting side of it. Sam got two strikeouts. Um, is that from the pitching? Yeah. Uh, who did? Sam. Who's Sam? Nevers. Oh, he struck out two times. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said he struck out two people. Okay. No, it says SL. Okay, well, it does. But I thought you meant he. I thought you were talking as a pitcher. That's why I was confused. Um, so Liam, Liam went seven innings. He only gave up two earned runs, Jackson. So it was kind of tough. Like you see, it's eight zero, but most of those runs were unearned. So um, Liam actually had eight strikeouts in seven innings as well. 
And then Clay Thompson came in for two innings. Um, no one runs. So the pitching was actually good for this one. When you see 8-0, you don't expect that. Now, as we missed the start of this, I did read the review. So on the CSU website, it said Wagner got off to a quick start in the opener as its first two hitters recorded a single and a wind-aided two-run home run to lead 2-0. The Seahawks got three more runs in the first, all of which were unearned thanks to three CSU errors and a passed ball. So, yeah, so half of those errors came in the first inning, unfortunately. Um, the Eagles left 11 runners stranded on base, so they had chances, they just couldn't get them home. Uh, Coffin twice left the bases loaded, third and seventh innings, and stranded a pair of runners in both the fifth and the sixth. And the Eagles grounded into three double plays and committed six errors. Now, if you only have if you have as many errors as hits, that that's always going to be tough to win that game. I did look up a few stats. I think I told you these earlier when we were playing disc golf. The most number of errors I could see in a single game was twelve, um, but you had to go all the way back to eighteen ninety six. And uh, the person that has the most errors in his career was a thousand and ninety six. Herman Long, who I've never heard of. Now I was surprised by this one, JJ. Honus Wagner was 13th on that list with 828 errors. And the biggest name I recognized was Cap Anderson, who was 7th with 976. Hall of Famer, really old player, turn of the century. Well, I'm talking about 18th to 19th century. And uh, Joe Tinker, I don't know if you recognize that Who's name. Joe Tinker? All right. What about if I said Tinker to Evers to Chance? Does that tell you a little bit more? All right, so who's Tinker then? Third? Third base? No, shortstop, shortstop. Oh. So do you remember the team? No. It was the Cubs. It's around that same time. It was around 1908. But yeah, they were the famous double play trio. Tinker to Evers to Chance, Short to Second to First. They got like a ton of double plays. I did want... Any ideas why Honus Wagner would be so high on that list? Because no. he's considered a generally good player, right? I thought about it. One of the reasons is... The reason Cap Anson is so high is he played in a record 27 consecutive seasons. So obviously the more that you play, the more chance you have to make errors, right? And I'm feeling it might be the same with Honus as well. And the other thing I realized as well, these are all shortstops as far as I can tell. I don't know about Herman Long. I don't it's know who that hard, is. It's the hardest position. So, yeah, you're going to get more chances at short, right? Because they're going to hit. Now, also, what about playing conditions in like 1900, 1910? Horrible. Horrible. Can you give me some examples? Why? Spiky. <laughs> well, I don't think on a ball hit to shortstop you're going to get spiked. Oh. But you're, you're right. That definitely you happens if you're first baseman. You could over you could. That was, that was definitely a worry. I don't think that the gloves were that good in those days. No. And what about playing fields? Do you think that they were nice and even and flat like they are today? Heck no. No, absolutely not. So when that I first totally yeah, totally unique. So when I first looked, at, they just played on a field. Now they spend thousands, probably millions of dollars making flat surfaces, and they get groundskeepers. They never even do it on. They no, I don't know any MLB team that has a turf field. Um, no. Uh, uh, actually, um, Trop I want to say Tropicana Field does, actually. Um, that's the one for um, um, the Rays. Because when I went up to Montreal, they had a they had a turf field as well. But the, obviously the Expos don't play anymore. So, uh, But I think Tropicana Field does, I think. But, I think that, but they might have taken it out, I'm not sure. I'm sure the Expos. Um, you can probably still tour it because it's used for other things. So when I went up, they showed you the Olympic Stadium. That were, uh, the Olympic, I don't know if it was the stadium. But they showed you parts of the Olympics when it was held up there as well. I remember that part. But no, it was interesting what is stadium. What's it used for now? I don't know. I have no idea. It's been a long time since I've been to Montreal. But it was a cool stadium. I remember that. But yeah, I think that might be the only one that is. Um, so, second game wasn't supposed to start until 3.30, but this finished so quickly that they moved that time up to 2.45. Uh, we have a new tradition now for doubleheader games that are held at Joe Cannon, so... 
We get a hot chocolate from McDonald's. <laughs> Go to McDonald's, get a hot chocolate. There's normally something on the app that you can get for free or reduced as well. So we get so a couple things. That's the best McDonald's. It has a touch to play. I was just about to say. So I, you were playing baseball up there, I think. Yeah, right? I played the um. The Flip what? City Sluggers. Okay. And um, I just thought of one thing I didn't put in my notes. When you after a certain game, you get to enter your name on the high score chart. So can you remember what you put for your name? CSU. <laughs> you did. Yeah, you put that you were a CSU fan. Um, now, I meant to mention this. Apparently hot chocolate's good medicine, right? What did your doctor say was like that? She didn't give you any she meds said at all. She said drinks. Uh-huh. And then she said, um, like, tea, uh-huh. hot chocolate. And water as well. But, yeah, so I think now that'll definitely be part of our... If hot chocolate's good for you, then um, I think that'll definitely be part of our routine going forward. I don't think it's, like... Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but your eyes lit up when she said hot chocolate. Even though you you're wearing a mask because we were inside that facility, you could still tell that you were smiling. Your eyes lit up when she said that. Um, so yeah, we had some. We had the drinks. Uh, we headed back, and we got there just a couple of minutes to spare. So as this is the full game that we did see, JJ, this is where I waited to tell you all the stuff. You said, "Wow, you got a lot of notes today." Um, I was gonna get you to read some, but I don't want you to hurt your voice, so I'll do the reading. Okay, it's today. perfectly fine. <laughs> you were complaining before. You said it didn't look like you wanted to do it. All right. It's too much reading. Forget it. Uh, Wagner College is a private liberal arts college in Staten Island, New York. I did remember that because when they joined the NEC, I looked at where all the teams were and tried to find out which was the closest. I think this is the closest one to Coppin State. That's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Wagner College was founded in 1883 in Rochester, New York. Now, I, you know, that's not going to mean a lot to you, but I know where Rochester is. I'm like, that's nowhere near Staten Island at all. It was the Lutheran Proseminary in Rochester, is what it was called, and its purpose was to prepare young men for admission to the Lutheran seminaries and to ensure they were sufficiently fluent in both English and German to minister to the large German immigrant community of the day. The school's six-year curriculum uh, was modelled on the German gymnasium curriculum. In 1886, the school was renamed Wagner Memorial Lutheran College after a building in Rochester was purchased for its use by John G. Wagner in memory of his son. The college moved to the 38-acre former Cunard Estate on Grimes Hill, Staten Island, and in 1918, oh, in 1918, in the 1920s, the curriculum began to move towards an American-style liberal arts curriculum that was solidified when the state of New York granted the college degree-granting status in 1928. So they took a big switch. It sounded like it was more like a religious preparatory college, and then it just became a regular old college. But I've never heard, like, a college moving, like, so many miles in between. Like, that's really strange. Normally you have on, like, extra buildings, but... Dad. Yeah. Did you say Rochester? I did say Rochester, yeah. My teacher's from Rochester. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, The college now occupies 105 acres, so it's like tripled in size, um, on the hill and has commanding views of the New York Harbor, the Verrazano Bridge, downtown Brooklyn, and lower Manhattan. Now, when I saw that, I was like, I'm going to go to that stadium. I'm like, that's going to be really cool if you can see all that stuff. But then I found out... From 2008 to 2020, the team played its home games at the place where the Staten Island Yankees used to play. And I was like, ooh, I know where that is. That's right as you step off. As Mason and I went to New York a few years ago for the World Baseball Classic qualifiers, we took a ferry to Staten Island. And I said, I want to walk up and see the stadium. We couldn't go in because it was a regular middle of a day. Uh, But they closed in 2020, so they don't exist anymore. The Seahawks played part of their 2020 season, which was later suspended in March due to COVID, um, as a road team. So they didn't even have a home after that stadium closed. In 2021, they played their home games at First Energy Park in Lakewood, New Jersey. 
And in 2022, they played they played eight games at the Trenton Thunder Ballpark and another t- 12 games at the Shawtown Ballpark, previously known as First Energy Park. So basically, remember our first season watching Coppin? They played at a lot of different stadiums. Uh, Wagner did the same. So I was like, oh, I guess they don't play on campus then. So I guess we can't see that. I did see pictures from the uh, the dorms where the people live, and you can see out to New York City. It looks really cool. In 2023, they will play at the Staten Island University Hospital Community Park. So I was like, yay, they have a stadium. The ballpark also is currently home to the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. I was going to ask Ferry you. Hawks. Uh, okay, so you do remember those. They're from the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball. Uh, Atlantic we, League. We saw them when they played the Maryland Blue Crabs last year. Uh, the Ferry Hawks inaugural season was in 2022, reopening the stadium with a brand new artificial field turf playing surface. So they basically took the same stadium that the um, the Staten Island Yankees used to play in, and now it's kind of opening up. However, here we go to the bad side again. Due to ongoing construction of the main concourse, attendance at home games is closed to the general public for at least the month of March. So it could be open. <laughs> like, once I was reading this, I was like, yay, boo, yay, boo. It was one for the other. Um, in the interim, Wagner and each team will be permitted an extremely limited amount of spectators that will be able to watch home games from the suite level. Pass lists will be handled internally by both schools and will not be open to the public. Every home game will be broadcast, though, on NEC front row and will be free to view. So if we can't get it, we can at least uh, watch it, unlike today's game, unfortunately. So that was kind of uh, kind of strange. Um, the, the alumni, people who've been to Wagner, in 2019, two NFL coaches who had previously been Wagner assistant coaches were elevated to defensive coordinator positions. Lou Anarmo now heads the Cincinnati Bengals defense. So yeah. I was like, all right, that's your team. While Patrick Graham was formerly defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. I was like, well, that's my team. And you got Graham in there as well. I was like, that's kind of cool. Um, Andrew Bailey, who I did recognize, pitched for the Oakland A's, LA Angels, Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, and the Philadelphia Phillies. He played college ball for Wagner. Um, and was selected by the Oakland A's in the sixth round of the 2006 draft. He made his debut in 2009 and won the 2009 American League Rookie of the Year Award. He was an all-star in 2009-2010 while he was the closer for the Athletics, and he is currently the pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants. Okay, I do remember Andrew Bailey for sure. Uh, Curtis Leroy Clank Blafari, I think that's how you pronounce it, Born in 1943, died in 2001, so I don't think you know this player, Jay. But he was an American professional baseball left fielder who played in the Major League Baseball for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, he was a member of the Orioles team that won the 1966 World Series. Um, he got his nickname Clank from Frank Robinson because of his below-average fielding abilities. <laughs> That's a little mean. Um, um, Blafari started his career in the outfield, tried at first base, and then switched to catcher in an effort to keep his bat in the lineup. Um, and on 27, April 27, 1968, he called Tom Phoebus' no-hitter against the Red Sox. So, yeah, he didn't do very well in other positions, but he did do well as a catcher, and obviously he was a good batter. And this one, wow, considering you used to have a wrestling podcast, JJ, Philip Thice is better known for his appearances in the WWF between 1992 and 1993 under the ring name Damien Demento. Uh, He's also a Wagner. Uh, He wrestled in the main event of the first episode of WWF Monday Night Raw, losing to The Undertaker. I recognize that name instantly. Dad, can you show me that? 
that match. I've watched that match before, so I thought that might be. But yeah, it was interesting that when I picked out all those things, you had reference to your Bengals, you had reference to your Orioles, and then there was a wrestler in there as well. I was like, okay. And there's reference to the Dolphins. And reference to the Dolphins for me as well. So, how have they previously done against. Uh, so, we know that they lost that last game. But how have they the also done against Wagner? All right, so I went back. 2009, they lost 21 to 0 to Wagner. So, that's not a good start. Um, and then in 2018, they lost 9-0. to zero. And in the second game in 2018, they lost 3-2. to two. So in the previous three games against Wagner, before this series started, they've been outscored 33-2. to two. So Wagner by far has the biggest advantage in this one. Um, last season, they went 17-34. and 34, So they lost a lot of games. But they opened the season 1-12. and 12. Ouch. Um, and they came into this series 5-6, and six, so they're much better than they were last year. And the top two batters for average last year, um, if you look on your list, JJ, from that first game, I think you might find these people. Uh, apologies if I pronounced them wrong. Mayumu Kobayashi. First person. He's the leadoff now. He batted 321 last year. And Cody Bay. I think he batted fourth. See him, yeah. Yeah, so he's... So the scent. So the center fielder slash left fielder in the third base. So the two top average person. Cody, I think, must have been injured last year. He only played 36 games. And uh, Kobayashi played 51 games. So obviously Dad, what does PH mean? Pinch hitter. Okay. He must have come in and pinch hitter for that one. And the top three pitchers on uh, wins also returned too. So Frankie Wright, was that the person who pitched in game one? <laughs> Why are you looking, shrugging your shoulders? You got the... Figures in front of you. Julian Chabot. Oh, okay. Perhaps Frankie Wright's in game two. Alright, go ahead. Get your second Duncan sheet then with game two. I think Frankie Wright pitched game two. I recognize that game. Uh, Ruben De Del Castillo and uh, Eli Shedd. They, those three had the most wins. And they were returning. Alright, so wait, have a look. Do you see Frankie Wright pitching? No. Okay, he must have pitched in game three then on the Sunday, I guess. Um. Uh, what did I get for this one? Oh, and, well, go ahead. Tell us about game two, then. How did game two go? Because now we... we they lost 8-3. <laughs> they lost how many? 8-3. Okay. Do you, is that it? Nothing else to say? Uh, uh, Marcus and Giovanni pitched. Marcus Herrand was the losing pitcher, yeah. So you don't want to mention the similarities, like Wagner took a big lead in the first inning. It was almost... It was like a repeat, almost. It Florida was, won... Four innings in the first, which was kind of very three, similar. And then three. Uh-huh. And then, then in the ninth, they scored. So after, after the third inning, they kind of shut them out. They didn't really let them get anything. But by that point, unfortunately, it was too late. Um, no errors in this game at all. Attendance was 125. Time was 229. Temperature, 40s and windy. It was cold. It was really cold. I had I had my hoodie and I had my coat on. I did um, too. Any... Um, any Performances. Somebody did have multiple hits in this game, I see. H's hits. I know, I'm looking. Look I was looking on look Coppin one that, States. Look on Coppin States and find someone has a, a number of hit with an a, next to the H column that has a number bigger than one. <laughs> Corey. Hey, Corey Miley got two hits in this game. Uh, nobody else got more than one. Um, when you look on the other side, um, Wagner actually had four players that had multiple hits, including Kobayashi. And uh, Cody Bay, who I mentioned earlier, so they did pretty well. Two. Also, Chris Conniff and uh, Griffin Selby. 
One, two, one, two, one, uh-huh. one. Oh, zero, yeah, right. Con- one, Connor Hayden was the starting pitcher, zero. so it wasn't who I said. Uh, Marcus Aaron went seven innings, seven earned runs, and uh, Giovanni Canales uh, was just uh, one earned run in uh, three innings. What about now, I, Nichols? I think there was something in that first game that I noticed, and uh, I meant to ask you. Uh, perhaps it, oh, here it was. Look at the comp- oh, you've probably just got rid of the figures. In that first game, we knew it was 8-0, to zero, um, the Wagner pitchers walked seven people, so they put a lot on. Even though Coppin State lost, did you notice how many walks they had? That's the wrong sheet. Zero. They didn't put up a single walk. So I felt kind of sorry for the pitchers. Like, they only gave up a very small number of earned runs. They didn't put anybody on base at all. Um, they struck out uh, nine people, which is as many as Wagner did. Um, but yeah, I just couldn't get the run support for that game, unfortunately. And so, they kept airing. They, in that game, yeah. It was Coppin, just one of those games, unfortunately. Coppin Clegg State University Baseball. <laughs> Now, um, I think if you get your next sheet, JJ, this is game three of the series. So I'm trying to remember at this point, I think it was... Has Coppin lost 12 at this point in a row? Yeah. Uh, no, they've lost 11 going into this game, I believe. No, they lost... No, they've lost 11. <laughs> they've lost 11 going into this game. All right, so tell us about the Sunday game then. So we weren't there. We did look at some of the stats on. I don't know why I'm confused. I'm telling you, it's 11. Don't worry, I've already done the math. I'm telling you it's 12. No, before this match, I said. Okay. Um. School? 4 2. Mm-hmm. Wagner. There was, was 40 slight breeze. Uh huh. Um, 125 people again. <laughs> Hanover, Maryland. So... We know he's in Hanover, Maryland. It's always that. Tell us about when the Is that so Cannon Stadium? Oh, they did. They spelt it wrong. Somebody must have mistyped. You the S is it. nowhere near... No, I didn't type that in. That's from their website. S is nowhere near J on the keyboard either. Look, it's S is not. on the left and J is on the right. Well, hold up. Count how many keys. So somebody mis- totally mistyped that one. It started 12 p.m. Time 2 hours and 8 minutes. So it was a quick game. All right, tell us about the runs then. Where did the runs uh, come? Like, there's an obvious inning to talk five, about for Wagner. And there's an obvious inning to talk about for Coppin State eight, as well. Alright, I'll do it then. Fifth inning, Wagner got four, and eighth inning, Coppin State got two. And that was the only innings when any runs were scored. In fact, if you look at the scoring summary, JJ, it's over pretty quickly. Uh, Kobe actually singled to right field for an RBI in the fifth. And uh, I think it's Faisio, uh, Homan to left center. And then in the eighth inning, Dorsey and Homan to left center for two RBIs. And that was it. Notice on that one, though, who, who scored? Liam McCallum scored. So I mentioned the fact that Liam McCallum had been playing in the field, and if you look on the batting, you can see where he played. Because I said I thought he played some right field. Well, it looks like there's a bit more than that. Now he's got to try and find Liam's name on the scorecard. Oh, boy. He's left slash right field. Yeah, he must have played left field and right field. I saw also on here Brody Black played right field and center field. He got two I guess hits. coach was rotating a little bit. He got two hits and three at-bats, so he threw for two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two hits. So we said that in the on that first episode we recorded, we saw when he was playing in the minors that he had some good batting. I think he was minors. batting five hundred. Yeah. Oh, so the summer league. 
So he was batting like 500 then. And we, were, we actually said at the time, I wonder if he'll bat. And um, yeah, he's definitely batting. So yeah, two hits and three at-bats. That's great. Jordan Hamburg went six innings in this one. Gave up four earned runs. Ten strikeouts. I seem to remember from the game, it was six strikeouts in three innings. The first three innings. And then uh, Nico Felber came in for three innings. And uh, no earned runs and four strikeouts. I'm just noticing, none of the... Um, both teams didn't get any errors. Yeah, no errors again. Like I say, that was just a freak on that one game. Um, Wednesday, there was a game close to us, JJ. It was Georgetown, and actually it was in D.C. It wouldn't have been far. I had a meeting, though, after school, so I couldn't get out of that. And anyway, you came home sick on uh, Wednesday, so you wouldn't be able to go anyway. So go ahead. Tell us about the uh, tell us about the Georgetown game, then. So the game Georgetown. I just talked about, then, the one we just talked about, that was the 12th loss in a row. So this would be... Did they go to 13 losses in a row, or did they win? 0-10 Georgetown. So, no. They were, they were shut out. Uh, nine hits to three. It's like, oof. Two hours and 39 minutes. Attendance, 128. Perhaps they do count then, JJ. Because it always seems like it says 125. That one said 128. This was at the Nationals Academy. And um, not surprisingly, Georgetown series record between the two. Coppin State have won four. Georgetown have won 39. And in fact, I went back to the last game that they played. Uh, the last game last season, we weren't watching at Coppin State at that time, because this is from March. Um, it was Georgetown 17, Coppin State 11. And Georgetown actually had three errors as well. And um, I don't think this is a game that Brian Nicholas or one was really talking about. Um, he went 0 for 6. Eek. Well, you'd think with 11 runs, and you'd think he'd be one of those games. Uh, he played shortstop in that game. I was like, shortstop? That's what I thought. Um, I think he pronounced it Taran Smith. He was third base, and Josh Hankins wasn't playing at that point. Remember when, I looked at the first, when we looked at the first game of the season um, a year ago, and we said Josh wasn't playing at that point? Um, I guess he still wasn't playing at the end of March then, because Brian Nicholas was playing third, so uh, was playing shortstop. So I don't, I don't remember from that Wait, game who was third, playing shortstop. I just said Taran Smith. He was playing. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Is I he apologize on the team right he, Yeah, he's still on the team. He was batting in the game that we went to. If you looked, his name's on that scorecard. Um, anyway, the other one I saw was... So, as we didn't see much of a game this week, I've been What's holding some name? stories back, JJ. What's his first name? T-O-R-A-N. It might not be in that game. I think it's from the Saturday game. You're looking at the other games. But he did, he did come in to bat for a couple of ones. All right, get that last sheet out, JJ. And I had some of the stories that I've been saving for you. And uh, actually, this one's from this week. I thought you might like this game. All right, have a look at the box score for Denison University versus Arcadia University. Uh, you want to tell us about that game? <laughs> 25 to 23, uh -huh. Denison. How many hits? 26 and 24. Uh-huh. Four errors for Arcadia as well. Um, what about time of game or anything like that? Um, start 11 a.m. Mm -hmm. and 5.30. <laughs> no, the game was five hours and 30 minutes. Oh, look at the attendance. 125. I think, or do all colleges just put 125 and just don't bother counting? I don't know. That 128 They just drowned it to the nearest fly. Well, why did that people, why did the Georgetown game, did they put 128 then? They actually count. Perhaps they mistyped. You know how they put the S instead of the J? Perhaps they pressed 8 instead of 5 by accident when they were typing that in. I don't know. It's possible. And I told you about this story because I gave you this as a trivia question. 
I was like, um, how did I phrase it? The same pitcher is pitching um, on two a days in a row. Two days in a row. Even if he gets like absolutely shelled in game one, he's still coming on. And even if it gets rained out and it's a double header, he's still pitching in game two. Yeah, even if he pitches twenty innings in the first game, he pitches. He'll still. He's pitch still playing. And then eventually you figured it out. So this is a Gerangelo Sigenche. I said. I hope that's how you pronounce it. I said, is he an amphibious pitcher? <laughs> Because that's the joke when it was the uh, the ambidextrous pitcher and somebody got the wrong word in. So, um, 2003, he was born, Dutch-born college baseball pitcher for the Mil Mississippi State Bulldogs. He's a switch pitcher capable of pitching proficiently with both arms. Yeah, I saw part of his debut and he was throwing 90 miles an hour fastball with the right arm. And then when the lefty came in, I think he threw left-handed and he was equally as good. So now they've just figured out, hey, don't do that. Just pitch one arm one day and then we can use you for the next game as well. It's like, man, that's crazy. Uh, he was selected by the Milwaukee Brewers in the 18th round of the draft, uh, but he decided not to sign and went through uh, Mississippi State as well. But yeah, I saw that. I saw the story about him Does before. Does Mississippi State have a football team? Uh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, Southern teams. Yeah, all those universities have have football teams. Don't know if it's any good. I'm I'm, I'm guessing it's in the SEC, but I don't know for sure. What's SEC mean? <laughs> I don't remember. Southern something. I don't know. So oh Southeast Conference. There we go. I think Does it mean South Carolina Conference? No, no, no. And um yeah, that's it. We didn't get to see a game this week, but I think next week's episodes we'll we'll try and talk about I don't actually know if Coppin has a game midweek this week. They normally do. I I don't remember off the top of my head. And then um next week they should be back in town. Um, one of the things we have found out since JJ is yesterday they have announced that your team's going to be the Braves. What we don't know is what your schedule is going to look like. It might be we can't go to any games at all once your once your season starts. Like I don't know if you realize one after. Well, we didn't talk about that after we went to the game on Saturday. We carried on going north because traffic's always so bad. Anyway, we went to MCW Wrestling. Anything you want to share from MCW Wrestling? He's in Jopper, Maryland. Uh huh. And oh, I forgot. You were playing with wrestling figures, so you probably don't remember I, I anything don't. about the matches at all. I'm trying to think. What did I get? You trying to remember who, which wrestling figures you have? I know. But I did get a Mick Foley, um, Shawn Michaels, mm -hmm. and Triple H in their DX uniforms. Yeah. It was five figures for $20. I think that's and a great deal. I got deal. an autograph from a WWE Hall of Famer. You did. Scott Steiner. And you got another one as well. I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, that's right, Ever Moon. I totally forgot who the other one was. Yeah, yeah, we got like these little value packs and. Uh, who did you yeah, get? Um, I had Teddy Long with a Money in the Bank uh, background, which is really cool. I like that one a lot. And the other one, I think, but I'm not sure. I think it's Molina, but I'm not sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to ask my friend Matt if he knows who that one is. But yeah, one of the reasons we went up there was, from Coppin State, it was only about 30 minutes anyway. Whereas normally if we go to MCW, it's like over an hour and a half drive. But if we'd have tried to go home at 5 o'clock, it would have been another hour and 45 minutes to get home. Whereas when we left, in the end, it was like, I don't know, hour 15, hour 20. It's, it was less time. But yeah, so it might be, because even you say, hey, we're playing an evening game. We might not be able to go anyway, because we won't be able to get back in time. And if you have an afternoon game, by the time your game's finished, we'll have missed the copping game. So, And it's easy saying, hey, why don't we just go on Sat on Sunday? I have to do my schoolwork on Sunday, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. But certainly over spring break, we, we can go to games, because you won't have any games over spring break. Uh, we won't be at school at that point, so we'll have to see it from there. 
All right, outro music, I think, JJ. Unless you're playing on the uh, elastic band as your outro music. 